Hey, welcome to this week's episode. This week's episode is with Escape Suburbia, or actually more the point, Ryan, who is Escape Suburbia. Ryan, ever such a humble guy, ever such a nice guy, loves his um, bushcraft and bits and pieces, which I should hopefully do more of. More, more episodes down the line, maybe I'll do, do something with him if he'll let me, or um, someone else. I've got a friend who uh, up in Norfolk who likes that sort of thing as well. So check him out, ever such a nice guy. Um, he's doing a walk for prostate cancer. Um, give him some money, you know, 10p, a pound, you know, a tenner, whatever you can afford, give it to us, just give him page. It's a worthy cause, especially for us guys. Um, yeah, like I said, a huge thank you to him for taking his time out to talk to me. He didn't have to. I just messaged him randomly out of the blue and said, what do you say? And he was well up for it. A little bit nervous about me being boring compared to me the last one I'd just done. But actually, it again was a pleasure to do. I enjoyed all my pod- all the podcasts I've done so far. It, audio on some of them come out a bit poor, but generally they're all great, um, and they've all been great people to talk to. And it's been uh, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to do. So, without further ado, check him out. There you go. There we go. Your office looks a lot cooler than mine. That must be your shed. It's the garage. It's the man cave. It's the man cave. I've got my, my, my random office, which is a bit like a walk-in wardrobe at the same time. Hence, I've got the flag up. Otherwise, it's, it's all uh, clothes. The only place I can get any peace and quiet in my house. The same here, because I'm in, I'm in like, really in an old kiln. So I've got, like, the dome of the, the roof. Yeah. And, uh, no one climbs a step, especially at the moment because the missus is pregnant and the little one's too small to climb. So, it's literally, I'm just, I can get up here, shut the door, and Sorry. stay. <laughs> so, uh, cool. Um, I was going to say, so what do you do for a living? Are you a keeper or? No, no, I'm a mechanical engineer. Okay. Yeah, I work on forklift trucks. Cool. Exciting world of forklift trucks. Yeah, yeah. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, exactly that. How, so how did the bush stuff? How did the bushcraft stuff come along then? Um, well, I've always been into I've always been into camping and getting outside and disappearing for as long as I can, and sort of know bits and bobs and basics of bushcraft. And then um, about five six years ago, uh, I met a friend. Well, somebody for Instagram has turned out to be one of my best friends, and he's mad on bushcraft. And then we just started doing more and picking stuff up. Um, would, that of him Mr. And, would that be Mister? I am bushcraft by any chance. I am, yeah. Old Andrew Moriarty. Um, there's a couple of other guys I follow on Instagram, like Hidden Valley Bushcraft as well. He's an ex-Royal uh, Marine. Oh, He's yeah. got a really, um, really good page. Um, and yeah, just, I just love being outside. It's like an escape, really. Yeah. I don't know if big into the bushcrafty stuff, um, but I don't mind the camping side and the bits and pieces. Uh, but I, yeah, it's always, I'm always more of a glamper than a camper, to be honest. Yeah, well, at first I used to be. I mean, I used to camp when I was out fishing a lot. Um, and then, like, we go away as a family camping. And it's the same. It's like glamping. You've got your gas stove and you've got all your home comforts and your electric hookup. And, but it's quite nice to go back to basics, but you'd never get the family doing it. <laughs> Not my family, no. anyway. No, I, um, I like my triathlons and bits and pieces. So I've got a whack and great tent 
which I go away with, and the missus won't won't come with me at all and stay in the tent. If we if if I take the family to to watch me, it's in a it's in a B and B or something like that. There's yeah, no... somewhere where there's a shower, shower in the toilet is normally yeah. the uh, two must for any woman. Yeah, I can go to either of them personally. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being out in the woods and digging a hole in the morning. No, there certainly isn't. I've, <laughs> done, I've gone home with, with one sock on many occasions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what they're for. <laughs> okay. So, do you, you shoot properly as well, don't you? Because you've got your firearms stiff again, yeah? I've seen that on Yeah, Instagram. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had my firearms and shotgun certificate for years. I've been shooting since I was about 11, 12, I think, when I first got my first air rifle. Um, and then I used to do a lot of fishing at a place called Great Linford Lakes in Milton Keynes that my uh, my uncle's friend used to own. And they had a little shoot syndicate on there and a gamekeeper there. And um, that's when I first got into shotgun shooting, really. Oh, yeah. Got taught, taught the basics by him and then, um, and then got the bug. Yeah, it's a terrible bug to get. I... Um, it's funny because I'm not really a keen shot, but I do it. But I think it's because of work. I hate it so much. Right. Because of being a keeper, I just I just cart the bloody gun around me everywhere, and it's it's just a you know just a, it's like a spade for me nowadays. And I don't really, really I don't get the I don't get the enjoyment out of it like a lot of people do. Um, I've got a gold golden eagle and bits and pieces like that, so I. Play around with her. Oh, you're into, into your falconry as well? Yeah, well, I got into that by accident, to be honest. Um, I was a keeper over in Shropshire for 10 seasons, roughly. Yeah. And what got out of it, I didn't, didn't, wasn't enjoying it, and uh, then went into hunt service and ended up working for a pack of foxhounds. Yeah. And uh, they said, oh, would you fly our bird of prey for us? I went, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. And then <clears throat> a couple of seasons later, I went out with a friend who... So I hunt next door, and they he had a we had a little uh, eagle owl, which really wasn't man enough for the job in my eyes. It was all right. It was good for the um, the uh, community like police officer. And when the when the rural police and that came out to check us out, make sure we we're doing things right. I used to get the owl to fly to the fist and bits and pieces. So so the rural officer loved that and left us alone. <laughs> and but I watched. Uh, I always watched the Goldie, and a friend of mine. Um, uh, Said, come out with me on the bird. I went, right, okay. And we never, we never saw a fox all day, but a monk, more than one muntjac came out the wood, or, or the yeah. woods, and uh, he slipped this goldie on a, on a muntjac, and it went from, we never killed one all day, but it went from wanting a golden eagle to needing a golden eagle, and <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was hooked. But I was always been oh. always a dog man. I was always, always happy with the lurchers catching rabbits and you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So you're a full time keeper now, then? Mm, kind of. Anyone who says they're a part-time keeper's a liar. Yeah, um, and anyone who employs a part-time keeper's got the, you know the right thing because they get a full-time keeper for half the price. Yeah. Um, my boss is good. I'm paid by the hour. Um, I do a bit of work from in the garden. So during the summer, I'm flat out cutting grass, cutting hedges, yeah. and stuff. And then I'm more with the pheasants during the winter. Okay. And it works. And I do two days a week with the army as well, recruiting and. What not? Because who wouldn't want to join the army after seeing my face, you know? <laughs> so I saw, I've seen bits and pieces, but I've, I've, I've generally not looked um, or hunted down the reasons why this walk you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, what's it all about? What are you doing? Why, when, who and how? Well, basically I'm walking um, off his dike in Wales and I'm going to attempt to do it in 11 days 
just myself, my dog, rucksack on my back and camping on the way, wild camping, wherever I can bed down for the night, all depending on how many miles I cover each day. Um, so it's uh, 177 miles. So I'm walking from Prestatin at the top of Wales all the way down to Chepstow. Right. Um, and the reason I'm doing it is uh, raising money for Prostate Cancer UK. My dad got diagnosed with prostate cancer about four years ago. Um, and they were really good to him. And he's had his operations. And But unfortunately, the, the prostate cancer had spread to the bones in his back. So even though they've got rid of the prostate, they can't get rid of it. So it's like, a, like they're managing it. Um, so I thought, I want to raise some money. I didn't know how or why or, or sort of how to do it, or how to have the best impact to raise the money. Um, and a few ideas went back between me and Andy uh, about sort of treks and stuff we wanted to do in the future. And uh, Offers Dyke came up one day and we were talking about it and we said, it's just, it's too much to do together in one hit because we're going to have to have all the time off work. Well, I have to have time off work. Um, and then I sat down after a few beers one night where all good ideas come from. Yeah. I thought, do you know what? Stuff it. I'm just going to do it in one hit. And it had the impact that I wanted it to have because I think if I had just done the 24-hour thing, I probably wouldn't have raised as much money as I've done. Um, but I was going to do it in April this year. But as soon, like probably about a week before I was about to do it, COVID hit. Uh, everything went into lockdown. Um, we were locked down in the house. So I had to postpone it until April next year. Um, uh, is that is that good for you being postponed? Does that give you a little bit more time to prepare, prepare, prepare for it, do you think? It was, or? it was hard, to be honest, because I was ready. The bag was next to the door. I had all my stuff in the bag. You're on that sort of high, ready to go. I'm going to do this. I'm going to smash it out. Looking at your map going, do you know what? I reckon that day I could cut into one day. Those two days I could cut into one day. I could do this. And then you just get that massive anti-climax where you're just like, oh, I'll be doing it now. Uh, it it took me a couple of months to sort of get my head straight after it because I was so, I'm a bit like, not like a robot, but if I set my mind on something, I'm doing it and it, it's going to happen. And that was such a thing that where you sort of, the control gets taken out of your hands. You've got no... Yeah, you got no, it was, it was at everyone's hands, wasn't it? It's been... Yeah, no control at all. And then, We've had a really hard year this year because my mum um, had some breathing difficulties and collapsed, um, her lung collapsed. And she went into hospital for some tests and it turns out that she's got lung cancer um, caused by asbestos. Yeah. Um, but they're saying that it could have lied dormant for 50 years and just some people it don't crop up, some people it does. Um, so we're sort of dealing with that at the moment. So I'm sort of thinking about doing a... I might do another challenge after I've done this one for prostate cancer to raise money for like Prostate Cancer UK rather than tying the two in together. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to look for a challenge to do the year after. Um, but unfortunately, her, her diagnosis isn't as good as my dad's. She hasn't. She's probably got a year if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, but it's just another, it's just another dry, like I used to get like weighed down with things and, and sort of get like negative, like negative energy would sort of drag me down. And now, like the older I'm getting, I just I've started turning it round. So you just got to try and make a positive out of everything, even though it's hard. There always is some sort of positive, and it's just more of a driving force to keep doing more things. You've got to. I no, I'm only what am I now? How old am I? Thirty-three, um, and it's not been since I joined her as a. So I've been nearly five years. So about six years ago, up to six years ago, I was the world was against me, and it. Yeah. Used to, oh just get me down all the time and I couldn't 
get myself out of a funk. Yeah. I, had accident, I had an accident at work with one of my eagles, um, got um, like a bit of PTSD from it, um, and went to see a man who I didn't know at the time, actually, he was a hypnotherapist. Dad, yeah. dad knew I was in a bad way. Um, yeah. I broke my wrist at the, at the same time as well. Everything sort of came on top. All hit, yeah, all hit at once, yeah. And uh, I said, Dad said, you're not doing very well, are you? I went, no, and I was in a bad way. And he said, I know a man who can help you. I went, I'll take anything. Yeah. So I went to see the man in question and uh, literally he said, like, shut your eyes, do this, do that, imagine this, imagine that. And he's, at the end of it, he went, don't be surprised you had some weird dreams tonight with played your subconscious. I thought, uh, yeah, bollocks, you know, yeah. whatever. But actually, to be honest, when I left, when I left his, I literally felt like a ton of weight off my shoulders. I felt, I did feel better. I have to say I felt 100% better. Went home that night, split up with a girlfriend, got rid of her. Um, a big shift. That night had the freakiest dreams you've ever had, like LSD type dreams of scenarios, yeah. people, everything. And I thought, hmm. Something that nightmare stopped the PTSD thing, you know, just slid back into normality, <clears throat> and I was yeah. back on, on par. I thought, hang on a minute, there's something here. Various other things happen. Um, I ended up going back for a bit more treatment for something else for anxiety at work, and that's just, and that started me off thinking. And I've I now train as a hypnotherapist, hypnotherapist myself. I now do. Uh. Then I try, from that I went to reflexology. Um, which has changed my whole way of thinking of the world. I'm not some hippie. I'm a lunatic when I start talking about it, but I'm not a hippie. <laughs> um, but the positive from that is now I try and flip everything into the positive and my life is better You've for it. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to start reprogramming your brain to think like that. It is hard, but um, like I know we've got hard times coming. I know we've got. I'm going to have dark times coming, but you've just got to try and... Do you know what? The, the more stuff like that happens to you in life, you think you, you've only got one shot at this. If you want to do something, do it. And it, I was at the point where I was going, I'd like to do that one year. I'd like to climb that one year. I'd like to go there one. And then you just think, stuff it. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to say one day I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to do this. If you can do it, just get out there and do it. Um, and my, my thing's being outdoors. My thing's going for adventures, hiking, walking, exploring new places. And, and then obviously we've got the shoot as well. So that, takes over a lot of the year um but i mean shooting shooting sort of kept me on the straight and narrow because i had a little bit of a, a phase when i was a teenager every teenager went through that phase where you're getting in trouble and doing stuff you shouldn't do and had like a, a realization and it was my mum who actually took me down to a local pistol shooting club and we were still allowed to have pistols i'm showing my age is a bit older than you now um and I sort of got got into that, loved every minute of it, and got taken under the wing of a, a, a guy there. Um, and you get this, like, eventually you start thinking, I, I want to do this, I want my own ticket, I want to, I want to get my own, my own guns, I want to do this. As soon as I got that ticket, you think, I can't do anything anymore, I can't get in any trouble, I can't go back to the life that I used to have. And it just set me on, like, the, this amazing sort of path and journey. Um, and that's just what I've been doing for like the last, well, how old am I now? 22 years. Um, obviously, our pistols got taken away from us after Dunblane, um, which was a kick in the teeth. I carried on doing sporting rifle at the same club, various competitions, competing in America. Um, and then the kids came along. And all of a sudden, you go, oh, I've got 20-odd rifles here and this and that, and I need money for a house. And 
sort of went from doing loads of target shooting to mainly pest control on the shoot now and a few other bits of permission that I've got out and about. Yeah, it's funny how life takes over, especially with kids. Oh, yeah, massively. It's a, I, mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, but yeah. it's you sort of go from doing whatever you want whenever you want and spending whatever you want to having to justify yeah. everything that you do. Um, but it's good, I mean, because the, the shoot syndicate I joined probably been there over five years now. I was beaten for the first year uh, working with Dog. And then I joined the syndicate itself because I know the keeper. Um, and he's he's brilliant. He's a really good friend of mine. Um, he's one of the hard hardest working blokes I've ever met in my life. Just even though we've got a little syndicate, there's 18 of us, the same thing. He calls it part-time. He's probably there every night. Um, I do as much as I can to help him around the kids. Um but we have, we, you know, apart from a few people that probably don't have the same enthusiasm but want to stand there and shoot, we have a, a successful little shoot and my kids are involved in it. They go and it's just a nice part of life. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, um, I enjoy my rifle shooting a little bit. Like, um, it's changed for me this year because I bought the night sight, which is cheating. Yeah, um, yeah I've but, got a pad. But I've got, was it, a Yukon Proton, which is all right. Should have put it on the 17, really. It'd be awesome for the rabbits. Yeah. I'm a little bit old school. I like, grow, growing up the way I grew up with Dad at Sandringham, we'd done a lot of, you know, vermin pest control. And I loved the foxing with the lamp. I loved the rabbiting with the lamp. And, and my favourite of all was getting on the back of the Land Rover and shooting the rabbits with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't um, beat those, though. You can't beat a good bit of old-fashioned lamping. No. And even now, even now that, I mean... I know, I like, I've seen people use thermals. I've had a look at thermals for spotting, and they're a, they're a fantastic bit of kit. And some of the night sights are brilliant. Personally, I find for my eyes, the more I use the pad, the more it messes my night vision, like my natural night vision yeah. up. Because once you take your eye away from that pad, you're, there's a good five minutes that you're trying Blind. to refocus. Yeah, it's just... I, I prefer the lamp. And I, I think eventually you'll get to the point where so many people are using night visions and thermals that um, lamping will come back because yeah. they won't be lamp shy. You're not going to get lamp shy foxes anymore. I think foxes, I think that lamp shyness has been bred into them. I really do. Yeah. And the squeak. I can't remember the last time I actually squeaked a fox. And I'm yeah. not bad at it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not the warrener. But yeah, yeah. just you squeak a fox now, it looks at it and goes, yeah, righto, mate. And just goes opposite yeah. direction. Yeah. Um, they're clever. I mean, they're one of they're, they're beautiful. I absolutely love foxes. They're a pain in the ass, and they do need to be controlled. But they show how hard they are. No matter how much they're controlled, their numbers are still going up, and they're still they're still thriving. But they are they're hard to get hold of. If you get a wily fox that's causing you problems, it's not like you're going to go out there that night and you're going to get lucky and get him. They could give you the slip for quite a few nights, and it's a good challenge. This this year, um, I know I went away COVID testing. Um, so with the army, so I, I, I've been away for three months, which was probably the most cr critical three months that I should have been there. Um, yeah. But I left I left a contingency plan in place if I was still away. That didn't really get set upon, so I came back to uh, a week of work, which the garden was upside down. Though somebody was kind enough to step in and do some of it. He was, only, he was yeah. only there a quarter of the time that I'm normally there. Um, so, I right, Dan, we're going to bring your pheasants on Monday. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. No worries. So I got in, got the pens done, sorted that out. And then about four days after that, a fox got in the pen. 
okay, fair enough. So I wait out that night. I lump that. Jobs are good. And yeah. go back the next night, next day, pheasants are right. Go back the next day after that, another fox had got in for a different yeah. way. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? So I sit back that night, lump that one. Yeah, jobs are good. And that has got to be the problem solved. And exactly the same night after that, on my other release pen, I'd, I had a fox get in. And to this day, I don't know how it got in. I know how it got out because I watched it chew, it chewed a hole like that in the bloody wire um, yeah. to get out. But to get in, I don't know how it got in. And I, and I lost no more. And I lost, we're only a little, what we, hundred and some odd acres. We're not very big. It's four days shooting, all yeah. the belts. And he, and he killed, really, he killed two days of the shooting for me. That, that makes life bloody hard work. Oh, bloody hard. Yeah, they're, they're buggers, aren't they? They're not yeah. just going to get in and get their dinner and go. They'll have a, have a whale of a time. I mean, we've got... Our shoot's on about 800 acres. Um, so we've only got two two pens. One's a lot bigger than the other. But we probably... I think there's full team we've taken already this year. Yeah. Between us. But, I mean, there's probably somebody out most nights. I think, what have I done this year? I've had three at work... I had three. On, I had two on the boss's lawn, and third. I've had six so far since I've been back from COVID, and I hadn't shot any beforehand. I don't think. Maybe one. Um, oh, I caught somebody dumping foxes. And I shot a mangy one. Oh, uh, what the RSPCA? Uh, I don't know there. who it was. You know, it was really weird. They parked in front of the farm, and I was watching through the night sight, thinking, "What's going on?" And the, the glare of the lights was sort of on me. And I thought, I thought somebody was scoping out the farm to go pinch, you know, machinery or something. I thought, I'll just go and sort them out as somebody shouted at the farm window and told these people to move off. And they sort of scarped yeah. and went. So I turned the ignition on and went down. And they went to another gateway, saw these lights and hurrying, and it just sped off. And as I drove around the corner, there's this mangy fox to the middle of the field just looking at me. And it was, it was in a bad way. It shouldn't have been released. No, well, they catch them from the towns and then go and dump them in the countryside, don't they? And they, they, the foxes haven't got a clue. I've dug, I dug one with a fox collar on before. Not a fox, a, a cat collar on. Yeah. And I dug another one that had a proper amputated leg. You could see the scar and yeah, yeah. It had um, three legs, or three and a half legs, I suppose, technically. I don't know what the legality is of them releasing them back onto shoot. You're not shoot. allowed to, I don't think. It's vermin. Yeah. I don't think you are. I have never looked into it, but I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to. But. Who knows? Who knows what people get up to? Yeah. So the bush, back to the bushcrafty stuff. Um, when do you go and do it? And you got you got land you go and do it on? Do you? How do you go about? Yeah. It? Well, we got there's a few spots. So one of our friends has got a farm. He's got a, a woodland on that farm that he's cleared out to be like a bit of a, a woodland area just for us and a few other people. Um, so we go up and do that, which is where we were at the other weekend. Um, that was a bank holiday weekend, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's down in Somerset. Beautiful place. Little spot. Nice and private. Nobody knows about it. Um, I made a massive cooking grill up at work, which went down a storm. I saw the grill. Yeah. Yeah. Three foot by three foot grill. So we had plenty of uh, meat on there. And just sort of just getting out there, getting fresh air getting a bit of, you know, a bit of headspace, teaching each other stuff. You know, you're never, you're never too old to learn. Andy knows a lot. I know bits and our other friend knows bits. And, you know, it's just good to meet up and share things and, and work, work out what you're doing. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the, nec- the next steps are I want to try and go on a few foraging courses next year. Yeah. 
Um, just, you know, just you can stay out a little bit longer and not, you know, know what to do. But there, I mean, you could, you could read bushcraft books till the, you know, the cows come home. There's, there's so much to learn. Um, yeah. Are they, are the books a little bit samey or are they, is there a big difference in them or? I've, I've, I've only read three so far and some of them are a little bit samey. Um, I've just had a recommendation to get a few different ones as well. Um, so I just try and read as much as I can really. You're always going to get stuff where people have copied out of one or they're, you know, the same, same thing. But it's like anything, like even when you're in the scouts, like learning your knots and, you know, that all comes into it. And like the basics, is, as long as you can light a fire and you can find food and you can make shelter, you're, you know, happy days. Um, and then you're, you know, next onto your fresh water and bits and bobs like that. Yeah, fresh water. There's a thing. Friend of, uh, friend of mine's big into his... Um... Uh, triathlons like me and he's paid it's someone's he's paid someone to do a uh, his, his training program for him i don't know why because he's, he's he's good at it himself because he does he does my training program and he gets someone to do his right um, <laughs> and uh his his trainer as it were um she decided to do like a lands and john O'Groats type cycle yeah um but with a twist you couldn't use any main roads or have any help so you had to carry everything you'd be self-sufficient yeah on that journey so you had to carry everything yeah, from landing or, or whichever way around it they do it yeah um but she had to stop short because she got poisoning from a water source and made a pop yeah. reel but they took a, i think something like a, a bike weighed 40 pounds by the time at the start of the race when they weighed the bikes in and There's plenty of water, uh, water filtration kits that you can get. I've, I've got one in my, well, I've got two, one in each rucksack, but I've got one in there for the walk um, that will filtrate water. I mean, you obviously don't want to be taking it out of puddles, um, right. but I'm hoping throughout Wales there'll be plenty of places where I can find. You should get plenty of water sources in Wales, isn't there, with the, with the odd bit of sheep inside it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's quite remote what what I'm doing, but nearly every day you'll end up at a town at the end of it. So I can always stock up. The problem I'll have is everything I'm taking is going to be on my back. So whatever supplies, it's everything's just keeping it as lightweight as possible. Well, you I do mean, my tent only weighs one point six kilos. Yeah. So it's just yeah, keeping everything as lightweight as possible. But even my my rucksack's probably at about twenty eight kg at the moment in total. That's not bad going. No, so it's not too bad. I think I can manage that for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, what? So food-wise, what are you going to do? Uh, well, I'm going to take a few like rations and stuff with me and hopefully stock up at the end of each day on what I need to get. But it'll be the usual stuff, like stuff that I can make with hot water and stuff that doesn't weigh too much. So, you know, you can get these great meals that the, um, you know, like the army use. They've got their, their meals without hot water. But the problem is, is once you once you start looking at how much they weigh, you're not going to then take two weeks worth of yeah. ready meals with you because some of them are four, 500 grams a bag. Yeah. Yeah. You know, by the time you put 14 of them in your bag, you know, you're, you're then carrying that extra weight. So there's one thing. If, if you're eating army rations for two weeks, you're not shit for a month. Yeah. You know, you need the brown biscuits, don't you? Oh, <laughs> disgusting. No, they do make some nice ones. You can get some good ones from go outdoors and places like that. Yeah. They I have to say them. that's my thing. If I know I'm going to exercise, I will go to go outdoors and I'll buy myself some pasta and meatballs and some bits and pieces because you just, yeah. 
Otherwise, you're playing. Otherwise, you're playing ration pack roulette, and I'm not so sure. I'm happy with yeah, that. Yeah, trying to trying to swap with your mates. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'll be taking a few of them, but I won't be. I won't be taking you know twelve days worth of food with me because it's just not realistic. I can't carry twelve days worth of water, so it's yeah. just sort of trying to work a bit clever. Which is why yeah. I want to try and get onto a foraging class. You know, you can find stuff when you're out walking about, stuff to give you protein, stuff to give you a bit of energy. Uh, I'll probably survive on, on coffee, I would have thought, yeah. <laughs> for, my, for like a few days. Um, but I just can't wait to get out there and do it now. It's yeah, just... that'll be, I should make that be good fun, I should think. Yeah, I've just got, uh, well, the way things are, I was going to get the train up to press that in, but depending on what happens with this COVID thing, I'll probably be looking for a lift up there and then walking my way back to um, Chepstow. Yeah. Back home, <laughs> just about. Yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. Uh, what I was thinking, there was one race I was going to do a couple of years ago, which was about a 24-hour one up in Scotland. It was a Cairngorm one. That'd be yeah. a challenge. But I don't... That got canned in the end because they didn't get enough safety staff up on the hills. Oh, okay. But that'd be a good See, one. That's a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but a few people have said when I said, oh, it's going to take me 11 days. They're like, well, why don't you just do like 30-odd miles a day? And they're like, well, you, you could do that if it's flat terrain. But the same as like the Cairngorms. You're going up and down, up and down. I mean, at one point on the route, you're higher than Snowdon on Offa's Dyke. Yeah. It's not just like a, you know, like a flat run where you can just get your head down and get walking. Yeah. Yeah, some of that will be demoralising, completely demoralising. Trying to get up to them hills will be an absolute... Pig, yeah, four five kgs or or plus twenty eight kgs. Or plus, yeah, that on my back. Not seeing well, I can deal with not seeing anybody every day. That's I've not got a problem with that. But you do get that remoteness element. Um, but at the moment now, it's just getting in as much training as I can get, which is why I was up uh, Penny Fan the other weekend or the other yeah. week just to get some training in with a pack on and get as many miles under my feet as possible, just to try and be as conditioned as I can be. So it's not so much of a shock on the um, on the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The knees but, and the hips—that's where it'll. Knees, and hips, and the shoulders. Oh yeah, 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 and the back. Um, but no, I mean I've got the shooting season coming up, so I'm going to be getting plenty of exercise throughout that. I normally do most running around with the keeper. I used to go because uh, my dad uh, works for the for the Queen. He's at Sandringham, and. I used to go up to Balmoral on the Graves every every year when I like when I, from when I left school to uh, when I, while I was at college, yeah. and um, they have a lot. They have quite a few soldiers up there in the garrison, and they come out and do. They do like the lot help the Gillian with the with the um, the stags and stuff. You know, they'll, they'll be with the ponies and various yeah. pieces, and some of them will come beating, and they'd all have outrageously wide packs and get the training and just beating. It was you know. Yeah, just carrying it around. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. I just, I just keep, I just keep it by the uh, in the cupboard under the stairs. If I'm going out the big walk, just whack it on. Just get used to carrying it because yeah. you know I could, I could walk thirty miles in a day, but if you haven't got that pack on, you're not putting your body under that extra strain and right. carrying that. You know, you've got four or five stone on your back. You need to train with that weight on. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, I mean, like I, a quarter of your body weight. That'll be you know what I mean, or even more depending on the, you know your weight. That's a, yeah. Yeah, just I'll weigh just under sixteen stone, so I'll be carrying another, you know, four and a half, five stone on my back. Um, like I said, all good ideas come when you've had a drink, and then you get the realization, <laughs> yeah. realization of how much stuff you've got to do to prepare for it. But I'm going to be so busy over the shooting season that it'll be training to start 
back up again after that. Or yeah. in between, I'll probably get a few walks in in between. I have to say, my, my mind does have a nasty habit of writing checks. My body definitely can't cash. Yeah, I've, I've done that in the past. And I mean, I had a friend message me the other day about a walk that goes all the way through the Lake District and you end up in Liverpool. It's 220 miles. And he said, maybe you could do that next. And I said, well, I'll probably need a break. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. yeah, not the next you know, weekend, maybe. But Yeah. But before you know, I've even finished writing to him, I'm like, yeah, maybe I could do that the year after. And that's just how my, my brain's yeah. worked. Yeah. And with three, with three kids, as much as I love them, the chance to have two, two weeks away, as long as you're raising money for charity, you can justify it, yeah. can't you? And it's amazing how generous people are as well. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Once I, um, once I came up with the idea, and at first I hadn't had my Instagram that long, and I wasn't really that confident in doing video. I didn't like video myself or talking on that. Um, and I'd done a video about why I was doing it. Um, and I set a target of 5,000, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go, go big or go home, but even if I get 500 quid, it's you know, better than nothing. Uh, and it just kept going up and up. And then I had people donating uh, prizes that I could raffle off. So I'd done a couple of them. I raffled off a, a night's um, wild boar shooting. And recently, what I raffled off a, a doe stalk, well, like a, a rose stalk. Um, so that, you know, the support I've got from everyone. And then before I knew it, it was up at three and a half thousand. Um, yeah. Because I've done a Just Giving page, because um, I'm not a big fan of people that do like the GoFundMe pages. Yeah. Um, purely because I wanted to be transparent and with the GoFundMe pages, the money goes, you can take the money out if you had a GoFundMe page. And I, I don't like people thinking, well, if he's taking it out, even though people wouldn't think that of me, yeah. I like to know that with the Just Giving, as soon as anybody donates, you go straight to the charity. And I think I hit about two and a half thousand of Prostate Cancer UK emailed me directly and said, we, you know, we can't believe how much money you've managed to raise on your own. Like people struggle to do that. And I said, well, yeah. luckily I've had a good support network on Instagram where people have supported me through it. Uh, and then they sent me out a load of training gear, a um, load of T-shirts, a T-shirt for the dog because he's coming with me. Yeah. Not that aware of it. Um, yeah, yeah, training tops, long sleeve, short sleeve. And they've been really good. They wrote to the local press for me. And they, like, because they know about dad, they keep in contact once a month or once every couple of months. I get an email just checking in to see if everything's all right. Um, so they, you know, they've, like, been a fantastic support. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Because even throughout COVID, the amount people were donating, when it, I know everyone was struggling and everyone, um, you know, some people didn't have jobs and money was tight and people were stuck at home. But people were still supporting it, and it, it's, it's been incredible. And I, I can't, I can see me getting to the five thousand now, which I. It's amazing, isn't it? I when I done one for charity a few years ago, um, I thought, well, you know, if I get hundred quid, I get hundred quid. If I get to a thousand, I get a thousand, whatever. And I yeah. sort of set my limit for a thousand, what I, where I wanted to go. And I thought, yeah, I'm never going to get this. And then all of a sudden, hang on a minute, I might just get this. Yeah, and it, just, it just creeps up and creeps up and all of a sudden you smash your target and away you go. Yeah. Um, what I think um, people don't realise is, is every time you get that donation, it gives you a bit more drive because yeah. you feel like you've got people backing you, which is another thing that I struggled with when I couldn't do the walk. My first reaction was all those people like I've let down because I'm not doing it, even though I am doing it next year. But you get yeah. that sort of sense of, oh shit, like I promised everyone I'm going to do this in, um, in April and now... Yeah. 
now I can't do it. You know, people are going to be disappointed. And, but that's just the way, like, the human brain works, I think, sometimes. Your program yeah, yeah. can self-destruct, I think. Yeah, I, one I'd done was, um, I was, I was going to do the fan dance twice for one of the, mili- yeah. one of the military groups. Um, yeah. And I'd done a winter one. And I went up, Jake, I went up, back, got to the turnaround point in good time. Turning around, come back was a slog. Come back up the Roman road. And I got back, I got to Jacob's ladder and everybody after me had just slid down it on their asses. And it was just, it was just like an ice rink. And I had yeah. 25 kilos on my back and I fell over once and turned turtle as it was, got yeah. myself back up and thought, that hurt my knee a little bit. And with about five steps, I went down again and I just, I just knackered my knee. And I was supposed to yeah. do it again that night and do a night one, but I had to, I had to can it. Otherwise, I was going to do myself a real mischief. And um, yeah. the, the guilt and the, the guilt I felt from not completing that whole, that whole thing was took me a long time to get over. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. If that's, I think, I'm sure some people realise. I mean, Pedavan, I've done twice now. I think both times I've done it, I've not seen a single thing from the top. No, the weather's been that bad. I done it when I first done it with Andy. We went up and it was um, 50 mile an hour winds and it was snowing, and I nearly fell off. We we came round the um, the bottom of Cordu because they they told us it wasn't safe to walk over the top, and we came round the bottom. And when you come over the top and you go round to the left of Cordu, the wind was obviously flying over the top of the mountain, and I just nearly went. Andy grabbed onto me as I was sort of like dangling off of the edge, but got to the top. Couldn't hear each other. Couldn't see a thing. I took my boy up there the other week and got to the top. Mist came in, couldn't see a thing. Both times I've climbed it now. That was the Wales. That's what Wales is like. Stunning, beautiful. But I'm going to have to climb it again now just so I can try and see something from the top. I've been up it three times and never seen anything off it. Yeah. Um, And it's funny, when you come off the hill and get into Brecon itself and out the way, the sun comes out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how much it can change on the way up, isn't it? How much the weather can change on the way up. Yeah, yeah. Just just absolutely ridiculous stuff. Well, um, I mean, I've that... done it with my, my eight-year-old, um, and he is one of those kids who, if you put the TV on all day, he'd sit there and watch it all day. He had no drive to get outdoors. And he said he, he wanted to climb Penavan. I said, right, let's do it then before you go back to school. And he literally ran up it. I mean, yeah. I, I was struggling to keep up with him. And then we went and done the four waterfalls walk afterwards. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's, like, yeah that's like a three-hour trek. And then we've done that straight after, and he's still running up the hills at the end of it. Like, yeah. I'm hanging, hanging out my arms. Demoralised, sort of crawling back to the motor. Yeah. Asking him if he can drive. Yeah, come on, Dad. Come on. What's up here? Um, yeah. Did cost me a lot in McDonald's on the way home though, because he did have a bit of an appetite. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Fueling yourself—that's the thing that I struggle with on anything that I do—is the fuel. Yeah, I've, I've changed my diet now, and I've been sort of trying to bit hit the nutrition thing a little bit better because I was always always one for fast sugars. And yeah, uh, that initial initial hit. Yeah, but yeah. obviously, the more you do, the more you go up, the more you come down, and yeah. Um, so I've changed it now and I've, I've hit the Dr. Pepper habit on the head just about, and, <laughs> and, uh, it's been hard, it's been hard though. Sugar's a bad thing for you. It oh really yeah. Massive. I cut out sugar in my drinks ages ago and I don't drink sugar. I'll have like a Pepsi Max 
which I know has got sweeteners in, which is probably no better for you. But yeah, sugar, sugar's a hard thing to kick. I've, um, I, I used to smoke on and off, um, used to smoke, and that that was bloody hard to stop that as well. Yeah. It's just habits, isn't it? It's just being yeah, that yeah. initial habit. And usually if you start, when you give up smoking, you sort of replace that habit with another habit anyway. Which is always yeah, that's what's so good. bad about the vaping. I tried the vaping. And before you know it, you're spending twice as much as what you were smoking. And you're probably vaping even more and doing even, even more damage. You're just yeah. taking one addiction away and giving yourself another one. Yeah, this, this um, uh, generation is definitely going to be the asbestos generation of ours because nobody knows what the vaping is going to do to the body. No, I don't, and, I don't, uh, I don't think it does. I know that um, I noticed a massive decline in my fitness when I was vaping, breathing-wise. Yeah. Um, never noticed much difference from smoking, although I know it was doing, doing damage internally. But the vaping, massive difference in breathing in the mornings, breathing when you're out walking. I don't think it does anybody any good whatsoever. No. So, also, there's another question I was going to ask you. So, when you was on your, uh, your bonding trip a few weeks ago. Yeah. In the woods. Um, in the woods. Nothing happened. You had some random, you had some random meat on the, on, the, on the barbie at some point, didn't you? Or was it oh, we had loads of stuff. We had like, what so were we, so well, the, the thing was, we had decided before we got there that I was doing lunch, Andy was doing dinner. No, Andy was doing dinner and Andy was doing breakfast. I cooked lunch and they went, that's so good. And then I ended up doing all of it. Uh, so we had, um, we shot a pigeon in the morning. So we, for lunch, we had uh, pigeon, um, pheasant and partridge um, wraps. With like halloumi, red pepper, all cooked on the back of my truck with a little gas stove. Uh, and then that night, the guy who, who owns the, um, the woods and the farm is obviously a farmer. Um, so we had like pork chops, pork belly, all, all straight from the farm, literally around the corner. Uh, venison sausages, red onion sausages. We had, we had everything. Um, the problem being <laughs> that where I was trying to prep everything, we didn't have much of a light so i was seasoning everything i'm all right with spice the other two not so much may have been on the chili side slightly a little <laughs> bit a little bit overpowering um but yeah we had such a such a feast it was awesome if you like the chili side of things one of my second or third podcast ago i don't know i don't chili rub venison um, oh nice the podcast is a bit boring, really, because I'd filmed it all and and done it all. And in my true getting used to doing this podcast stuff, like deleted footage, buggered the whole thing up and had to start again. <laughs> so I was like, right, OK. So literally all it is really is me sort of talking the uh, recipe through and how I done things. It's not not the greatest. But if you get the recipe, I think I put the link on my Facebook page. I think it's there. It's from the Meat Eater um, website. Yeah, honestly, it, as fajita-styled venison, it was absolutely brilliant. Oh, I'll have to have a look because yeah. that's what I said. I said we we need a big leg of venison on there next time, um, and I'd I'd love to try and get a spit cooking as well. Yeah, maybe get a lamb on there one day. Um, I lo I love my cooking. I only I only learned to cook when I got married. Really much? Yeah, yeah. And my wife's not a very good cook, so I had to learn quickly. Starve, starve, or uh, learn. 
But yeah, yeah, she does a great frozen pizza. Um, <laughs> but I, I've loved it. I've loved, I've loved cooking. I just cook all the time. Made all the boys breakfast. No, I, I, I love it. I love cooking. I love cooking the game. I got the kids into um, um, pheasant nuggets two right. years ago, and they can't get enough of them. My daughter loves making them. They love eating them. It's perfect for me because there's loads of meat that I get anyway. Um, at one point, it was yeah. It was, at one point, there's only me that would eat the game in the house. Nobody else would. Um, I mean, I, I had a game pie once when we went into a pub. I think they put the wife off where I was like picking bits of shot out of my teeth and <laughs> yeah. God knows, God knows what in there. But um, yeah, no, the venison, venison nuggets go down the storm. They are fantastic, fantastic way of eating it. Rather than being the old traditional, traditional way of cooking pheasant all the time. Yeah, pheasant. I like pheasant Wellington. Uh, done that a few times. That's nice. Oh, nice. There's so many ways you can use it. I think it's such a, a an underused meat that people won't. People are quite happy to buy a bit of chicken from the supermarket. This pump full of about three liters of water. Yeah. But as soon as you say, "Oh, well, I've been and shot my dinner tonight," and it, oh no, I don't really like the idea of that, but they're quite happy to buy it from the supermarket. I, so. I struggle with meat because I'm a softy at heart. Not that my friends listening to this would agree. Um, yeah. But like, I got a friend, actually, it was today's podcast that went out. He's got a little bit of a small holding. And um, he you know, does his own sheep, does his own pigs. And, and, I, and I've got a freezer full of pork, not, not lamb. I don't eat lamb. Um, that's a whole yeah. story in itself. Um, <laughs> but he um you know it's great and he says oh yeah we, you know we get done it you know tw- twice a year or whatever i'm like i couldn't do that i could not rear a piglet and kill it it's not no but yeah i'm going to shoot pheasants i could shoot a pigeon quite happily and i'm happy to eat it because it's had yeah, yeah. a better life but oh yeah big softy i couldn't do it myself couldn't have chickens and then kill them like some people do no no not for you no i think as long as they have yeah as long as they have the best life possible I don't. I'd much prefer that than having something that's been stuck in a cage its whole life and then just yeah. ended in misery and pumped full of water. I don't don't like that at all. I think the taste you get from game is incredible. I mean, venison you just you can't beat it if it's cooked right. I mean, at the shooting show, I tried um, Chinese water deer for the first time, and that oh, yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah, that was so nice. Yeah, we've got uh, them up um, here. Um, I don't eat a lot of it. I'm I'm a big Munjack fan personally. Yeah, yeah, because we've got, they've got a lot such of a varied diet. Yeah, I think it t- that I think Chinese water deer. Oh, it was so it was so tasty. But yeah, you can't can't beat Munjack. I need to get out this weekend. Actually, oh, I've got people asking me for deer. I'm just like, oh yeah, okay. When I get round to it, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, deer gone. Bugger. Mind blank. No, no. I'll go podcast from the podcast. One of the things I want to do was put a spin on the on the food side so yeah. because obviously everyone you know has the game pie does this that and the other so i'd go through all the recipes and look for something you know out there something different um yeah and it and it's so fast worked really well i've done a i've done a smoked duck which isn't i, I haven't i haven't put it all together yet because i again deleted footage yeah um, <laughs> I, but, I feel your pain I've, I've only just started trying to do videos and it's hard yeah. hard work to edit it uh, but yeah. the smoked duck came out brilliant. Um, I, I made as the first time I used a smoker. I made a few mistakes, so I'm actually quite glad I can go back and redo it. To be honest, um, yeah. like I struggled to get the barbecue going 
beforehand. So I just chucked some kindling on there, not thinking about it. And what I actually chucked on there was some old fence panels that had been you know, like creosoted and tanalized and all oh, sorts. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, the duck still tastes good. It, you, it, was, it was a taste of cupronol in there. Um, <laughs> but actually, when it rained, it just beaded up and rolled off me. So, you know, it was all right. Yeah, you're right. You're waterproof but, now for life. So, um, but I've got some Jack Daniels um, wood chips now, which I've done some, venis- I've done some venison sausages for myself the other day on them. Um, yeah. The taste was absolutely brilliant. And that smell of that, you could smell the sweetness from the, from the wood chips and the Jack Daniels barrel, the casks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. I, it's, I've been, I had some venison sausages the other week and they're just fantastic. And they don't even need a lot of cooking either. They're just perfect. I can't get enough of venison personally. I bloody love it. Can you find, have you found that you can tell the difference between wild venison and farm venison? I don't really eat farm venison. I haven't really tried it. I only discovered this because I went to a pub and had a, um, I think it was a venison curry, which is really oh, nice. Oh, from one of these um, red deer farms. Yeah, it must, it must have been. And I could taste, the, you know, like, like a sheep pellet. I could taste yeah, yeah. that in the meat, which is really weird because I've never had that before. Yeah. Um, and it, it tastes, because I, I, I don't eat lamb. Because I worked, when I worked in hunt service, we used to do a lot of the fallen stock. And we used to get a lot of sheep in and, and some of the farmers would, would leave the sheep a bit too long before we picked the damn thing up. And when I used yeah. to cut them up and chuck them in a the skip or in the incinerator, that smell, I can now taste like the lanolin in the meat. So it's yeah, yeah. off land completely. And I get the same taste with farm venison. Cause I even complained, oh, okay. they'd give me a lamb curry. They went, no, no, we haven't, it's venison. I went, I'm telling you now, that's lamb. I went, no, yeah. no, it's venison. We haven't got any lamb in, in for, for curry. I went, right. Okay. Um, and that, that's the only thing I can get it down to. Really weird. What's that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I like lamb, depending on how it's cooked. Um, it's all personal, personal preference, isn't it? Really, but you can't beat a nice deer steak. No, not at all. One of um, one of my ideas for for a future show. I'm going I might even do it live. Um, I've got a mate who's just got into shooting. He's a, he's a squaddy. and he thinks he's great. Cause he's got an air rifle, and he keeps telling me he's going to shoot these wonderful things with his air rifle. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I was like yeah. that when I was, like when I was twelve, um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I give him sort of give him a ribbon. He's actually got a nice air rifle. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever admit that to him, but he's got a, a Stoga, and it's quite a nice bit of kit and quiet. Um, oh, one of the the brake barrel or the new PCP? The new one, the brand new one out. Um, yeah, the brand new pre-charged. Yeah. Yeah, the XM one. They're a really nice bit of kit. Um, yeah, it's moved forward since I had the old rat catcher. Anyway. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, what I might do is get some of the the, the prime vegan um, burgers and get myself some proper decent um, venison burgers, something like that, or some beef burgers. And I'm going to probably do it live with, with the likes of him and see if we can do a bit of a taste off. And that'd be a, a bit of fun. Difference. That would be a bit of fun. Yeah. So... Uh, a few bit, maybe a few beers as well, and a bit of gut, cards against humanity. Keep the viewers interested. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> it sounds like a good video. Sounds like a good yeah. idea. So that, that's that. So what was it? So where's where's when's your next when's your next um, uh, bush weekend? We going? We what you gonna do? When when? No camping planned as yet. No bushcraft weekends planned as of yet. Um, hopefully, it'll probably be sort something out in the next month. Um, I'll probably do another, I've got a work party tomorrow at the shoot, 
so I'll probably do another training walk next weekend. Um, and I'm in the process of saving up for a roof tent for the pickup truck as well. Yeah. So I can disappear whenever I want. And I've always got the tent on top of the roof. But yeah, um, they're normally ad lib. It's normally like, right, I'm free this weekend, you're free this weekend, and then try and squeeze it in. Yeah. But it's all, you know, it's working around. I don't get as much time as I used to get because it's working around the shoot and working around the, the family as well. I can't I can't be out every weekend. I wouldn't wouldn't have a house to come back to, I don't think. My missus can't get rid of me quick enough. I think there's somebody else coming round, personally. <laughs> She's always happier when I'm away. Uh, oh, really? I think that's why I get away with doing so much as I do, because I'm never in the house, or I'm up here knocking about on the podcast, or I'm just just not here. Yeah, um, I think with, with, three, with three kids at the age that mine are, sometimes you need to team up, or one of you needs to get out and have a break. Yeah. And that's that's what I use it for. I use I use the out the outdoors and the camping as a break from reality. I mean, if I'm having a bad day, I'll get the dog and go for a two hour walk, and by the time I get back, I'm perfect. Yeah. So you don't always have to go away for a full weekend, but um, no, just a bit. Yeah, there will be. Yeah, there will be another uh, bushcraft weekend coming up soon with the the three of us. It'll always probably just be the three of us. I would have thought nobody's probably mad enough to spend any time with us for a weekend, <laughs> or too scared to. Uh, I've got a mate who worked on the broads doing um, bushcraft stuff. Um, like yeah. a company, I can't remember what the company he worked for. And he doesn't do it now. Um, I th- but I've had some in- quite a bit of interest, um, private messages over doing something like that. So I think I'm going to get him yeah. on here to. Might go home, might do- yeah, brilliant. Or, or even if you could go down there and do a video with him. Yeah, yeah. I think it seems to be very popular at the moment. It seems to be the one of the things that is drawing a lot of attention. I know it's always been popular in the background, but there seems to be a bigger interest in it now. I think and it I was worried about the apocalypse. It was. I, that's what I was going to say. I think with all this corona thing that's, that happened and the supermarkets not having any food, and then your neighbours suddenly go, oh, actually, I can see why you've got a freezer full of meat now and why you can't do this. Because yeah. I was thinking, well, the, even if I can't get any food to fill the cupboards up with, I can go and get deer or I can go and get 20 yeah. rabbits or... Go completely yeah. primal. Yeah, yeah, we can we can be fine, and I think I think that's what's given the bushcraft side a bit a bit of a boost this year. Yeah, I was having a haircut uh, this week actually, talking to a lad, a young lad who was cutting my hair, and he said, "It's what you've been up to." So I sort of mentioned mentioned um, all the videos and bits and pieces. He went, oh, is that all bushcraft? Is I went, no. I said, but actually, funny you should say that because I've been thinking about or sort of in the pipeline. He went, oh yeah, I love it. I've been doing this and I've been doing that, and, you know, and before. He's only just sort of got into it, and I think it's a whole apocalypse. Um, yeah, everyone's, everyone's worried about how, how the world's going to end and if they can survive for God knows how long. I just keep Luckily, thinking about I Am Legend, the movie I Am Legend with, with Will Smith, and um, yeah. we're going to find it. We're going to find a cure for COVID, and everyone's going to turn into zombies. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. That's where I've gone with that so far. Well, luckily, I've, I've got enough guns and ammo. I think I'll be all right, and me. I haven't got a German Shepherd, unfortunately. I don't think my dog's as manly as uh, Will Smith's, but no. Now my my Terry, my Terry might get involved, but she's 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 old now. Yeah, I've got a Terry across, and he's an absolute nutcase. He's probably the best ratting dog I've ever had in my life. But he's yeah. a bit of an all-rounder because he's crossed with a cocker. Yeah, we I use him at the shoot and everything, but. How'd you find him on the shoot? Is he a bit wild or not too bad? Oh yeah, he's wild as anything. The the, the only saving grace is that the the because I get on so well with the keeper, and we're really good mates. He looks after my dog when I go away, and he absolutely loves him. 
Yeah. And on our shoot, because it's a little syndicate, he always says dogs can't do any wrong. But in my eyes, I I I get a bit funny with him. But he gets the terrier head. So if you see something, it doesn't matter what you say, what you shout. Yeah. He's he's gone. I mean, not not last season. The season before, we were doing one of our drives, and I'd let him off, and he'd done his usual disappearing act. And Paul radioed me, and he said. Have you seen these birds coming over? He said, I don't know where they're coming from, but they're fantastic. And we've never had birds that high. They're <laughs> coming over the guns, coming over the different point. My dog had gone down to the bottom of the hedgerow, two fields across, and just worked the whole hedge across and was sending birds from a completely different direction. But he just has his moments. Yeah. Some days he's fantastic. But as soon as that terrier kicks him, yeah. he's gone. I've just acquired a, a spaniel cocker, another one. I haven't had a, haven't had a gun dog for, a, for about four or five years. I have never, never needed one, and I've always sort of yeah. said, don't really want it. Um, but before that, my other cocker I had was brilliant most of the time. If I was beaten somewhere, he was the best dog in the world. As soon yeah. as I stepped onto my shoot and I, was doing, and I was in charge of the drives and I was preoccupied, really, yeah. didn't he bloody know it? And yeah, I'd be like, right, yeah, lads, yeah. keep your dogs back, keep your dogs back. Whose dog's standing there getting dogs back? I told you lot. And he went, we've got ours. And I looked down at my feet, Buster, come back here. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, Bear, Bear's, Bear's renowned for disappearing. He's, he's renowned for it. But luckily, I can get away with it. I don't get told off with him. No. I just know when to, let him off, when to let him off and when not to let him off. But the keeper works a border terrier as well as his cocker. His cocker's fantastic. But he works a little border terrier as well. And she's, well, she's a lot better trained than what my dog is. Um, <laughs> but between her and Bear, the terriers find more birds than any of the Spaniels put together. Yeah. They're sort of like the main dogs for flushing them out. And they will go into anything. Whereas you get a cocker that goes, oh, there's some brambles there. I'm, I'll push in a little bit. And oh, yeah. A token try. He just... My, well, my dog comes out cut to buggery because he just goes through everything. Yeah. My my old head keeper, not the keeper that taught me everything, because that would be wrong, because I, I had a few mentors, including my dad, um, yeah. when I was growing up. But the, when I went to my first apprenticeship, as it was, um, Steph, he, he years ago had a terrier called, I, don't know, I think it was Eric, I think he had. And that dog was as hard as nails when it comes to foxing and stuff like that. But yeah. literally, he, he, he said one day, uh, I actually think the story might be in uh, a book called uh, Dig Deep, Throw Hell Back. I'm not sure. But he was all day working, working all day on the pheasants. And then uh, in, in that sort of evening, they'd been, no, during the one of the drive, he'd even retrieved ducks off water. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, a fox came out and he, the dog, before he could do anything, this dog hunted this fox up and went to ground and ended up being, ended up having to dig him out on a fox at the end, after the shoot day. <laughs> just absolutely, you know, they just one of dogs. Stop, no, terriers do not stop. Not one bit. He, he, my dog's absolutely crazy. Will not stop. He's loving. He's a great dog. He might live in the house. He's perfect in the house. But he will... You put him in front of a rat, well, you put him in front of anything, and the terrier just takes over. He wants to kill it. Yeah, that's a bad mixture, isn't it? Terrier and and cocker. Is it cocker or Spr a Springer? No, yeah, cocker. It's a Bed cocker. Bedlington terrier. Yeah. Cocker the cocker. Yeah, yeah, bad mix. Just the whole unhinged and working anyway. To the ah, let's kill it. 
node and nothing yeah, in between. Yeah. yeah, luckily all the all the birds so far have always got up and managed to flush. She's never pegged one, which is nice. I'm glad of that. A friend of mine's got a little patterdale cross. Uh, I think it's Norfolk, Norfolk Terror or something. He's a hairy ass little thing anyway. Um, yeah. And he's now taken to squirrels. And he's, a, he's, he's not the quickest of dogs because his guts are a little bit rotund. And um, he actually caught a squirrel the other day by its tail. Um, yeah. and, but the squirrel couldn't fight back because he got it. Because I think the squirrel was too fat to get through the fence. And he got to the fence before the squirrel got and grabbed its tail. And the squirrel couldn't yeah. fight back because the fence was in the way. And now he's a proper squirrel hunter. He's, now, he's a nightmare now. We take him for a walk. He's properly wanting to kill once you Once you get him on it, that is it. The first time I took bear rat in, for as soon as he got that first rat and it bit him on the end of the nose and cut his nose open, no rat was getting out alive. Once yeah. they get that little bit of pain and they know, right, if I don't do this properly, I'm going to get bitten, then they just go in even harder and even tougher. And and he he we go ratting. Well, I go ratting with the keeper who's got the terrier as well, the border terrier. Yeah. And between them, they're just fantastic. But there's a video on my YouTube of it. But it's the same as like you saying with your podcast. Learning how to edit videos is a lot harder than I ever imagined. Once I started doing it and getting the music right and trying to film it, and uh, it's a mission in itself. Yeah, or just doing what I do, just delete shit straight away and then not put lo- upload it. That's a good <laughs> yeah. one in mine. Yeah. yeah, I haven't had that yet, luckily. Yeah, long oh, moments. Right, well, I'd better leave you to it. Thank yeah, you no, very, no, very no. much for doing this. It's much appreciated. No problem. Nice to chat to you. And you, mate, and you. Um, where can people, if people want to uh, donate to you, if my mum, who loves you so much, is the only person who listens to my podcast, wants to donate, um, <laughs> What's the donate? Where, where have we got to go? Well, there's a link on my uh, Instagram, which is escape.suburbia. Uh, and also, there's a, um, it's on Just Giving. So if you put into Just Giving Escape Suburbia, it'll come up there and you'll see all the details about my walk and where to do, uh, donate. Cool. Um, I've got some merchandise being made. Um, when I've got it all here, I've got some gun, yep. slips, gun slips being made with Outdoor Man on. I've actually got the patches patches here um, oh, nice. Nice. so yeah. i've got a rifle nice, slip nice. being made and some shotgun slips being made uh i've got some t-shirts somewhere as well um dirty one there i say it's dirty i think it's dirty uh, oh, nice. so yeah. once i've got some bits and pieces back and sorted what i'll do is i'll put a set together and you can raffle that lot off as long, oh, as, nice, the, as long as the viewers like and share my page and listen to the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tag um, 18 friends. Yeah, stand on one leg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, you, if you haven't got a picture of you doing a headstand in the, in the tag, you, you're not, you're not get winning, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, no but yeah, worries, mate, I'll, I'll, um, I'll donate some stuff, mate, and you can try and get some more cash. Yeah. Nice one. Thank you very All much. Right. Thank you very much, buddy. And, uh, yeah, and you, mate. Bye. Bye. Yes, sir.